I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Mrs. Moneypenny's Irreverent Questions. I'm Mrs. Moneypenny, the Financial Times columnist. And guess what? I've got my editor here with me, Carola Hoyers. Classic timing. You know, we start our, our first podcast with me being away on a business trip in the States and you being on some very unglamorous business trip in Europe. Um, and so I hear that you've got Sarah Gordon, the FT's business editor, to do a really exciting interview. And you didn't send me. I know, nor did I send myself. It's so frustrating. She got to go to, the, uh, to Cambridge with Gloria Steinem on the train and ask all the questions we wanted to ask her. Uh, but she sent back fabulous tape and I've edited it because that's my job. We're going to talk to young American voters because Gloria obviously said those things about young feminists chasing the boys in the Bernie Saunders camp. But before we actually hear from her, what does Gloria Steinem mean to you? She was almost the Jermaine Greer of the generation before Jermaine Greer in many senses. You know, she was more famous. She was more outspoken. She was carrying a candle for me before we even realised we had to have a candle carried for us. Now let's stop gabbing. Let's get on the train with Gloria. Would you say you were the same kind of feminist now in your 80s as you were in your 20s? I wasn't a feminist in my 20s. There so when, was no when feminism. When would you have started self-defining Late 30s. As late but, but, 30s? Yes, because yeah. there, there was no movement. I was, I was secretly rebelling. <laughs> secretly angry. Hoping no one would notice. <laughs> have your beliefs changed? I mean, do, would you say, in essence, you were the same kind of feminist now as no, you were? No, I don't with? think so, because I think in the beginning, I was, uh, it, you know, as it comes over you how unjust it is and you realize it doesn't have to be this way. I, anyway, was thinking this is so unjust that if you just explain it to people, certainly they will want to change it, which is very naive. Do you, have you read um, this of what you might call the corporate feminist, you know, Sheryl Sandberg? Mm-hmm. You know, I think she says two very, very important things. You know, one, if plan to have children, the most important uh, career consideration is who your partner is. You know, is, is, is your partner, male or female, going to be uh, really raising children equally? And the second thing that's very important is, she says, that you can't do it alone. You need, you need a group support. Catherine Cornelson and Grace Sagers are two American undergraduates of Tufts University. We got together at Mrs. M's office to hear their thoughts on being young feminist voters in the upcoming presidential election. I was very interested in Gloria's perspective because she's grown up in at a time when even more than the time I was growing up, the woman did everything. So if she had a job, she'd had a job, but she went home and did everything else as well. And I don't know whether 
you expect that for yourselves. It's, it's a struggle to achieve all of these things if we don't have more equality in the home. Gloria talks about this, about how feminists evolve throughout their lives. And I've got to say, from my point of view, I almost didn't realise I was a woman until I was a mother. And then it hit me very hard. Are you thinking about these things in your 20s already? (laughs) Yeah. For a while, I wanted to be like a speech-language pathologist. And I realised I was like unconsciously making this plan in my head that I would be a full-time speech-language pathologist working in a hospital until I wanted to have kids. And then I would switch and work in a school and then like go back if I wanted to, like after they were grown up. And then I was like, oh my God, my brother is never gonna think about this. I bet my dad has never considered that when he was getting his PhD. Do feminist men attract you? I think so, definitely. Um, I think that is a very attractive quality. Uh, But again, I think it's a little interesting that, oh, this guy thinks women are equal. That's so attractive. (laughs) Basic human decency is considered going above and beyond. Um, But I do want to marry, um, and I do want to have an equality so that I don't have to go through child rearing alone. Um, But right now my priority is my job. I want to get established in career. I want to go places. Are you frustrated that more young women aren't supporting Hillary? No. I'm frustrated by the profound uh, hostility directed at her. Still. Uh, Still, yes. I don't know how she stands it. Yeah. I think people are more accustomed now to seeing a woman in authority in the spheres, that, you know, partly because of herself, because she's been Secretary of State, and partly because of a lot of other women. So I think it's less widespread, uh, but it is deeper because she's closer to power. This time she really might win. And it's the first time that I, I this is definitely the first time that in the most powerful country in the world, or what is called the most powerful country in the world, there may be a woman in a position to limit male power. There are many political decisions that the next uh, U.S. president will make that will influence your decisions about when you have a child, if you're able to choose that, uh, in fact, how you will be paid, how able you will be to pay back your college loans. So you may not be thinking about family at this point, but there are things you'll be able to do, particularly when you're voting, that will decide things for you. How do these thoughts influence the way you're looking at the U.S. presidential elections at the moment? I think it is really relevant to look at this in terms of Democrat versus Republican, because we have a two-party system in the United States. It's very much a dichotomy. I do think that if Trump, Cruz, or Rubio were elevated to the Republican nomination, it would be incredibly detrimental for women, incredibly detrimental for minorities, for lower income people, for the people who have traditionally suffered, I think there would be even more disparity. So looking at that, taking the long view, and then looking at which Democrat is going to be able to beat whoever the Republican is, that's been an important factor in my personal decision making. Yes, well, of course, I don't um, have a vote uh, uh, in the US election, but we do watch it very keenly here. Um, and I have to say that you know, we've, we've had a, a government for even longer than you have, um, and we've managed one woman a prime minister in all of that time. 
So it's not easy. And she was a working mother, just like Hillary is. It's very tough, and it's down to this concept that you had of you know having to stop your career and switch it a bit in order to achieve something else at the same time and that you know that doesn't occur necessarily to lots of men that they might have to do that what do you think are the um in terms of women's equality and perhaps just focusing on the on the states for the moment what are the most important battles at the moment I do, I do think we can't choose that f- for each other because we're the most effective when we fight on uh, against what hurts the most, what we know the most. And for you? Well, if you add up the largest number of people, I think violence against women, since it, that has reached such a peak in so many different forms, uh, at least now we know it's wrong. You know, we, we know women don't invite rape or you know I mean we've made progress in consciousness but uh, but violence against women and infants and you know against females and um, and reproductive freedom just the ability to control your own body and decide when and whether to have children or when and if to have children yeah and on those I mean certainly on both those issues as you say progress has been made but are you disappointed that not more progress has been made that's the years a mad as hell you know yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> and 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 <laughs> anger is anger is a useful energy cell one of the things Gloria Steinem feels strongly about is that violence against women unites us both in the Western world and, and beyond. Uh, you are college students and clearly the amount of college rape that we are seeing is you know, ep- epidemic proportions, something like one fifth of women in the US experience uh, sexual assault. Um, is this an area of concern for you as well as a woman? And how does it bleed into your political leanings? I think it's hard having friends who have experienced this or it's hard experiencing it yourself. And it's hard, you know, to like have that sort of color your perspective because that's just something that shouldn't have to color your perspective. And I think um, another thing is that that that's not something that ends with college. I think violence against women is something that is so much more than just a college-age population which like always gets focused on. It's one of those things that we shouldn't have to deal with and that ostensibly the waves of feminist movement in the 20th century got rid of this kind of uh, discrimination. We're in a post-feminist era, but of course we're not in a post-feminist era, just like we're not in a post-racism era. I recognize that I am limited by other people in many ways because of my gender, but I don't ever want to live as if I'm limited. I don't ever want to let other people's perceptions of me limit what I do and what I can accomplish or how I vote. Being a woman is an important part of that. That's an important part of who Hillary Clinton is, but she's also a politician, an accomplished person, and that's the kind of person I want to be too. Well, of course, this is something that Gloria talks about too, which is that in her day, you know, people didn't dare to complain. I mean, people would not have complained 
if a man harassment, it would have been thought as, you know, this is perfectly normal, this is what happens, and I just have to, you know, put up and shut up. Um, and now, of course, you know, with, especially with social media, um, everybody is sharing these things. I think a lot of it is also happening, and, and there have been studies uh, to this effect, that it's happening because of the free availability of porn on websites that a generation ago you know you might have the odd girly magazine if you're 13 14 but now a very large population of young boys are getting their sexual education through porn and that that has raised the level of violence against women particularly when they get out into the world and the first moment might be on a college campus and i think that's another thing that having a president who's going to be thinking about women's issues in this way will bring sex education to a forefront. It's another way to combat this so that we can show this is what a healthy relationship looks like. This is what healthy sexual experiences are. If you're finding our podcast interesting, please subscribe to FT Irreverent Questions with Mrs. Moneypenny on iTunes or Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. It seems to me, Cara, that we have a lot of difficulty finding young Republican voices in London. But you know what we did find? <laughs> a young female punk band. Her Bernie Saunders fans. What? Can they vote for him? No, but they tell us why they love him and how that then translates to UK politics. My name's Harriet Doveton and I play bass and sing backing vocals in feminist punk band The Tuts. I wouldn't support Hillary Clinton if I lived in America. In the same way, if I was around when uh, Margaret Thatcher was running, I wouldn't have supported her either. I know that Hillary Clinton's perhaps a bit more left than Margaret Thatcher, but we still, I disagree with a lot of her policies on a lot of fundamental things. So just because she represents my gender doesn't mean she represents me. Of course, in a perfect world, we'd want, you know, a woman or a woman of colour, like, representing young people. But at the moment, all we can choose is people by their policies and their honesty and the fact that they're not in cahoots with big businesses and then they're not being controlled by corporate America or, you know, similar to the UK, corporate companies in the UK that are constantly getting bailed out. Madeleine Albright saying there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women is very offensive to women because it's saying that, say, if you, you know, there was a female and you disagreed with them on all the fundamental issues about a load of stuff, but going, oh, well, they are a woman, so I should agree. It's also a really simplistic way of thinking about gender when gender is much more complex than that. In terms of where you think younger feminists are, do you think that your generation of feminists continues to influence their thinking? You know, I try my best when asked about young feminists to say, ask young feminists, because... Don't <laughs> what, blame you. <laughs> because uh, if, if we are to be helpful in um, empowering, then we can't answer for you know, other, other people. I, I can only say that personally I arrive on campus to find big signs that say Gloria's a badass. <laughs> Which I'm very you complimented are, by. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. T shirts, you know, and so on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the, and that, that feels new. You know, I think there's some ex more new explosion of consciousness that perhaps owes itself to. Uh, 
uh, anger over, uh, you know, over what's happening economically and the divisiveness to the web and access to information without knowing it comes from an old person. <laughs> I have to tell you what I take out of all of this, and in fact, listening to Gloria, far from the postmenopausal woman being, you know, a write-off and dead and so on, we've all talked about um, some wonderful postmenopausal women. You know, Gloria herself, Angela Merkel, who I, I had never asked her, but I presume she's no longer menstruating, uh, and uh, uh, and, um, and and Hillary, who I think we can safely assume that. So, and I have to tell you, you know, in that in sitting in that postmenopausal, there is a very narrow window between giving up sanitary protection and needing incontinence protection. And when you inhabit that window, you want to make the absolute most of it. Um, and it, it, to me, it's wonderful that people are running countries and running companies um, and, and leading movements for change at that point. And I don't feel remotely washed up, and I don't intend to be remotely washed up, you know, until I'm at least glorious age. Just to wrap up, we're going to have our five irreverent questions. Actually, I'm not sure there's five, are there? I think there are four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have four irreverent questions. What's your dream job in the future? To work for a software company um, doing user experience. All right, and what about you? Journalist. We're really keen to know, what's your favourite app? So can we start with you on that? Instagram. Twitter. What's going to be more important to you, do you think, as you build your career? Is it going to be the money you earn, the power and influence that you exert, or is it going to be the experience that you have? Experience. Right. Experience. Which person that you've read or watched or listened to do you think has been your greatest influence? Um, I would say Ursula Le Guin. She wrote a book in which she imagined a planet where there was a humanoid race with no, no sex. So changed my point of view completely. <laughs> my favorite political reporter in the United States is John Dickerson. Uh, he's a really fabulous journalist and you should look him up. Heather, I've come up with question number five. Well, thank goodness for that. <laughs> Much of my mind is occupied with uh, helping to organize the FT's uh, Women at the Top Summit in September. So I want to know from you guys, who would be this, your dream speaker? Whose experience would you want to hear about? Jill Abramson, who is the former executive editor of the New York Times. I think she would have some really interesting insights. If you could have anybody, who would you want to hear, hear from? Hillary Clinton. At the end of the day, I think whatever people feel about Hillary, one way or the other, even if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, I think we have to acknowledge it would be an enormously progressive step for us to have a woman in the White House. And I look forward to that. Now we have to give these guys an umbrella. It looks awful out there. And it's pouring over rain. Yes, well, I will make sure you have an umbrella before you go out there, but uh, I'm pleased to see you're all appropriately shod. That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. I've got to go back to my desk now. And Carola has got to go back to organising the Women at the Top Summit at the Financial Times. So I'm going to get out of here. Well, you're never in my hair, Carola. It's an honour to have you here in my office. Oh, go away. Give me an umbrella. <laughs> but right. I am going to give you an umbrella and send you on your way to One Southwark Bridge. Very exciting that we're moving to back to Bracken House. I know. I Not am so old. Years. I can remember hot tub. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.